So here we are, week seven or week eight, uh, technically, and the last of our weeks in the book of Proverbs. Firstly, a word of explanation to those who commented on my sweater last time uh, and compared me to Val Dunican. I'm in a more sober attire and sweater on this occasion. And since I last preached, two of our legends in the church have reached the uh, ripe old age of three score years and ten, so congratulations to them. So we're in Wisdom for Life. The more I read Proverbs, the more I realise how important it is that we live in the good and in the teaching of Proverbs. And today we're going to be looking at cultivating friendships, a pillar of wisdom. Now, Proverbs has much to say on the whole area of relationships. Uh, It talks about love and respect for your parents, love for one's spouse. talks about being kind to your neighbours. But there is a particular emphasis on friendship. And it declares that the wise are those who know how to make friends and remain loyal to them. If you want to be wise then you need to be someone who is cultivating friendships and remaining loyal to your friends. Now, God created us for relationships, not to live in isolation. It's him first, of course, and Psalm 23 starts with this, and I'm quoting from the Passion Version. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. And I'm going to finish today by asking you, is Jesus truly your best friend? And the word that's commonly used for shepherd in the Hebrew is raha, which is also the word for best friend. Yeah, Jesus is my best friend. And God says that friendship with him is where we start. But we need human friends also. And the more effectively we relate on a horizontal level with our earthly friends, I believe the more effective we relate on a horizontal level, on a vertical level with our heavenly friend. God desires us to cultivate friendships. Now, these can be exhilarating, exciting. Often they can be exhausting but they open up wonderful new possibilities, new vistas, new opportunities, great potential and prospects. A cross-section of friends is healthy, and they shouldn't just be friends and folk in our own social interest bubbles. As many of you know and tease me, golf is one of my passions in life. It would be very sad if all my friends were those from the golf club or my circle of golf acquaintances. It mustn't be just those we get on well with either. That's a bit unhealthy. Or those who we agree with about everything, the like-minded people. And of course, the worst thing is to have only Christian friends. I know one couple said once in our church many years ago that they'd done an internal analysis And they've got hardly any non-Christian friends. Beware that danger. 
We need a mix in the world that we live, but not become part of it. We live deprived lives without a variety of friends. And if we do, we lack wisdom for living. So there's the introduction. Friends are an essential requirement. I want to say just one thing here. You may be saying, oh, I know you, Brian, you're a friendly person. Or, well, you're an extrovert. Well, firstly, I'm not an extrovert. I haven't got time to explain where I am on the scale, but certainly I'm not high in extroversion. And it's not also about being a friendly person. I know some friendly people who I can't get to be friends with. And again, that's very, very significant. And Proverbs gives us some important principles for healthy, lasting friendships. Number one, loyalty and faithfulness. In Proverbs 17, it says, a friend loves at all time, no matter what, it says in the Passion. Proverbs 28 says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I've got no brothers, but uh, Proverbs is suggesting that we can have friends that are as close as family. Proverbs 27 says, friends do not forsake, abandon, never give up on each other. Being a friend is more important than having a friend. Can I say that again? Being a friend is more important than having a friend. It's about giving first and foremost and not looking to receive. So loyalty and faithfulness is a key principle in friendship. Secondly, friends support and strengthen each other in adversity. Proverbs 17, friends love through all kinds of weather. That's what it says in the message. I love that. Friends love through all kinds of weather. We live at the top of a hill, as many of you know, and if it snows or is icy, we are virtually trapped in. And one of our neighbours spoke to us the other day and said she hadn't seen anybody for two or three days during that very icy weather because the bad weather meant she was in isolation. Friends love through all kinds of weather. A brother is born for adversity. A friend is there in the tough times. I love this quote. A friend is the one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. Isn't that wonderful? That's what a real friend is. When everybody else is not around, they come in. It is said... When you're up in life, your friends get to know who you are. But when you're down in life, you get to know who your friends are. I'll read that again because that's so profound. When you're up in life, your friends get to know who you are. When you're down in life, you get to know who your friends are. So friendship is strengthened and supports one another in adversity. 
There's a lovely verse that I think uh, I find really interesting. And it's my third point. Friends sharpen one another. Proverbs 27. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We sharpen each other up if we're true friends. Now we come to something I believe is absolutely critical in friendship. It's the preparedness to be vulnerable. This might come over as a bit tough, but it's so practical. Proverbs 27, wounds from a, and it says in the message, a sincere friend can be trusted. Or as the Passion translates it, you can trust a friend who who wounds you with honesty. True friendship involves being prepared to be vulnerable yourself and open up to loving concerns and challenges and rebukes from a good friend. True friendship involves loving your friend enough to raise with them anything you feel is not right. In a friendship, you want to know the truth. A true friend knows all there is to know about you and loves you just the same. That's so powerful, isn't it? Let me give you another example. A good friend challenged me once about my stubbornness. They were right. I am stubborn and can be very stubborn. And this person, in a loving, challenging way, raised the matter of my stubbornness. I received the message and I took it on board because I know I could trust that person. And they had my best interests at heart. It's sometimes in friendship about accountability. Do you have, do I have friends that we trust enough to be truly accountable to? Very, very important. Now I want to talk about something which I found most interesting in Proverbs. It tells us the ways that we can damage and wreck friendships. Proverbs 16 says, a gossip separates close friends. The message says, gossip breaks up friendships. Either by doing it ourselves, regarding friendships, or listening to gossip about friends, we can damage and wreck friendships. Beware the Chinese whispers. Remain loyal to friends. The antidote to this is staying loyal and loving as far as possible. It means speaking about others as if they were present. Can I say that again? It means speaking about others as if they were in the room with you. We establish trust in those who are present by our loyalty to those who are not present. True friends can disagree but maintain relationships. True friends can disagree but maintain relationships. Here's another surprise I found in that wonderful book of Proverbs. Proverbs 17. Dwelling on the failures of others 
devastates friendship. That's the passion. It says in the message, goodbye friends. All right. If we dwell on people's weaknesses and failures and mistakes, that will wreck a friendship. Goodbye friends. The antidote is found at the start of the verse. Love overlooks the mistakes of others. The passion says, overlook an offence and bond a friendship. None of our friends are going to be perfect, and I'm far from perfect. But if we dwell on the negatives, we'll soon say goodbye, friends. It says in the NIV, promotes love. Let's promote love. That's the way to avoid dwelling on the negatives. Don't let's be possessive, demanding, manipulative in our friendships. Let's not suffocate people. I've seen that so often where people put demands upon people and suffocate them. Encourage them. Cultivate a wide circle of varied friend. Every friend is different and creates colour and richness in our lives. The more diverse our friendships, the more rich our lives will become. So, Proverbs tells us the wise are those who know how to make friends and remain loyal to them. In passing, I do need to say this. Christian friendship has an added dimension and quality. There's a fusion in Christian friendships that goes beyond what we can experience in our friendships generally. And it's God's love and presence. I read this verse recently to the church from the Passion Translation, Proverbs 27, 9. Sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. Oh, I love that translation. That's, when we're together, there's a smell of God's presence. Today, I went past a young guy when we were out walking, and he smelt very strongly of uh, Lynx shower gel. You could smell it, and we were the other side of the pavement from him. Uh, but it was a bit over, overpowering. But do you know what I mean? When we're together, we can smell the fragrance of Jesus and the presence of God. Ecclesiastes tells us, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. This is often used in the context of uh, wedding sermons, and that's fine. But the original context of this verse is actually about friendship. God is at the centre, this invisible thread of strength. So, let's not forget the power and the importance of this. In Acts, they started using a word, or in Scripture, they started seem to use a word called koinonia, which is deeper than friendship even, deeper than this perhaps slightly overused word we have in church of fellowship. It's more than surfaced 
level friendship and relationship. It's about a deeper bond of love, harmony, unity. Boundaries come down in this koinonia relationship. It's about community, about close-lit knitness. In one of my favourite books, The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis says this. I really just would encourage you to listen to this because it's quite profound, but as often with Lewis, you've got to listen. For a Christian, there are, strictly speaking, no chances. A secret master of ceremonies has been at work, Christ, who said to the disciples, you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Can truly say to every group of Christian friends, you have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. I'm going to read that again. I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our discriminating and good taste in finding one another. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each of us the beauties of others. That's quite long, but it's so profound and so important. So as we come to a conclusion... We need some practical application of this, don't we? And I believe that God wants us just to be reminded the importance of being befrienders. Not just friends, but befrienders. Now and post-lockdown, but particularly come the end of this lockdown. He wants us to reach out and touch people, not for the rewards it brings us, in terms of having those nice, fluffy feelings, but the blessing we can be to them. That's wise living. Reaching out to people, not for the good it does us, but so that we can bless them. I believe our life groups need to be befriending hubs. No walls, inclusive and incorporating a cross-section of people. Not just our church friends, not just our Christian friends, but maybe seekers, those we are reaching out to who may have absolutely no current interest in faith or Jesus. But hubs of befriending, where people come in, are received whatever their circumstances and know that they are befriended. For we know that our church needs to be and have a culture of befriending. Our life groups need to be places of befriending. And now I want to talk just for one minute about a subject that's very close to my heart. I have five grandchildren and four of them are currently in Generation Z. I believe it's a neglected and forgotten generation to some extent, not only outside in a world where many of them are struggling for work, struggling in their education, and this next three or four years there's going to be very high levels of youth 
unemployment. I'm not being a prophet of doom. I'm a realist. And we need to be aware of what their needs are. And do you know what their highest and first priority is? Friendship. How do I know? I've asked them. I'm not an expert, but I know that their first priority is friendship. A hit Christian youth album that was released last year is titled All of My Best Friends. The first line of the title song is, I don't want to be on my phone, but I can't be alone. Welcome to the modern way. Perhaps we need to consider facilitating opportunities for friendship to be cultivated and flourish for this generation. This generation is not the church of the future. It's the church of today, folk. And if we miss that, we're missing a whole generation for Jesus. You can see by the fact I'm getting animated, I passionately believe that this is a key for the next few years for the church in the UK. Wake up. There's a generation that's drifting away. They need friendship and they need to be with friends. We need to create hubs of friendship for all generations and not forget and neglect Generation Z. Proverbs teaches us that wisdom for living necessitates actively making, fostering and developing lasting friendships. Creating an environment that encourages, champions and supports this. Hubs not just of hope and mercy, which is what I talked about in week one, but also hubs of friendship. Hubs of hope, mercy and friendship. And finally, it would be remiss of me not to return to the starting point and say that until you find friendship with Jesus, life isn't going to make sense. He loves you. And in relationship with him, you find God's wisdom and power. In Jesus is the true source of all wisdom. If you don't know him as your best friend and shepherd, I invite you to find out more. Give our pastor Neil a call. He'd love to talk to you or put you in touch with somebody who will talk to you. You're very welcome to join our next Alpha course and explore the meaning of life. It starts with Jesus. We're going to play out with the most famous hymn about Jesus being our friend. And my grandson has recorded it especially for today. So listen to Josh as he plays us out with what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus Oh, our sins and grief to bear 
Everything to God in prayer. 